Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Acts chapter 28, as we come to our final passage in our Acts study this morning, where I will read beginning in verse 11. Uh, If you were here with us last week, you'll recall that we left off with uh, Paul and 275 others. They had been shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And that's where we'll pick things up in verse 11, and I'll read down to the end of the chapter. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Puteoli where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum and the three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. And when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, and received all who came to him, 
preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. So this is the 42nd, and Lord willing, the final message um, in this series where we've been studying the book of Acts. Um, And again, I've mentioned it before, but as we've gone through the book of Acts, and as we have seen all that has occurred, more aptly, we could probably refer to this book as the Acts, instead of the Acts of the Apostle, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, or the Acts of God. That clearly throughout these 28 chapters, we've seen how God sovereignly has worked to have his message proclaimed, beginning way back in chapter 1, right, with the, the promise of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would come upon those apostles, he would come upon them with power, they would be his witnesses, and they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, to Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And we have then witnessed through this book how God did that exactly, and how the Holy Spirit came upon them with power in Jerusalem at Pentecost, and how they began to proclaim the message, the gospel message of Jesus Christ and what he's done for him, and the 3,000 Jewish people got saved on that day, and the church continued to expand. And then as it, as it continued to expand, that persecution came upon the church, and the church began to spread because of the persecution. But as the church began to spread because of the persecution, as they went, they took with them the gospel message, and they began to proclaim the message. And so we saw how Philip took the message to Samaria, and that the, the elders of, of Jerusalem sent Peter and John to confirm the message, and that Peter and John laid hands on the believers there in Samaria, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so there were things that were happening there that validated to the Jews that the gospel was indeed being given to other people other than the Jews. And then God sent Peter on a journey, which led him ultimately to the city of Caesarea, because um, the centurion... Um, Cornelius, Cornelius the centurion, had a vision where the angel came to him and told him to call for Peter, right? And so he sends off and sends for Peter, Petros, to come. And so Peter comes to Caesarea, meets with Cornelius, and all those individuals who were met together in Cornelius' house, right? And while he's speaking, Cornelius believes, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they receive the same gift as was received by the apostles at Pentecost. Well, again, going back to that time, it was declaring the wonderful praises of God in other languages, okay? And so that's what we understand that happened at that point in Acts chapter 10. And so the Jews who were with Peter saw it, and they gave glory to God. And so what prevents them from being baptized since then they received the same gift as us? Nothing. And so now all of a sudden, the gospel not only goes from the Jews to the half-breeds, if you would, to the Samaritans, but now it goes fully out to the Gentiles, okay, in Cornelius. Acts 15, we have the Jerusalem Council, where there's the debate upon what what happened, what do we do with the Gentiles, right? Because there were the the Judaizers who want to place the the Gentiles under the the law. They want them to be able to fulfill those things. And and so Peter stands up and says, no, no, you guys, this is not about Paul. Remember, because the whole thing's about Paul, Paul taking the gospel to the Gentiles. He says, this is nothing about Paul. Remember, God used me as the one who actually opened up the gospel to the Gentiles. And now he's using Paul in that way. And so they make the decision that Jewish believers 
should seek to, to adhere to the law as much as possible. But the Gentiles only then had to try to stay away from um, idolatry, um, things offered um, to idols, from blood, from things strangled, uh, from fornication. Okay, and so then Paul then has the the the, the what do you call it the the charge from the church. He goes out with a, with a total um, unabandonment, right? He just he's going to go out and he gives the gospel. And so we've watched his travels then throughout the nations. And if you remember, we had the, the map up there where he was walking on foot and how we we showed that the distance that he walked would be like going from Augusta to. Does anybody remember? Remember how far he walked? If we brought it in, remember I took that map and I took the Google map and then I overlaid it over to the United States and I started it at Augusta. Topeka, Kansas. But it's, it's close. But it was all the winding as well. So if you straighten it all out, way out there. And again, the challenge for Bob, and again, an all play, right? If I knew that there were people in Topeka, Kansas that need to hear the gospel, would I walk there? Would I walk to Topeka, Kansas to give them the gospel? And so I don't want you to forget that because it is appropriate then for the book of Acts to end, to be closed off with Paul once again being able to share the gospel to people who needed to hear it. That's the theme of the entire book. The unveiling of the mystery. What's the mystery? The church. That Jesus, that God himself, came to the earth, died on a cross, to pay for your sins, was resurrected from the dead to verify and validate that offering and offers you the free gift of redemption. All you have to do is receive it. We're going to see um, how that plays out. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've watched his journey, though, getting to, to Rome. Am I going the wrong way? I don't think it's it's on me. Let's try it now. There we go. Good. Okay, that's right. So so his journey. So they again they take the boat from um, Caesarea to Sidon, where he's allowed as a prisoner even to go out and visit with friends. Okay, and then at this point, someone reminded me last week that I have <laughs> missed a couple verses in the beginning of twenty-seven. And how isn't it amazing how you can read something over and over and over again and you just miss it? So I've preached two messages with wrong information. So I apologize, but I'm I'm, I'm being honest with you, okay? So because I forgot Myra, okay? So from here they travel and the winds were contrary, but they make it up to Myra, okay? So I have them in the previous ones. I have them going straight over to Fairhaven, but they actually make up to Myra first. And at Myra they get a new boat. They get on a new boat, okay? And from there then they're going to try to go straight to Rome over to Italy, okay? However, again, they meet with another contrary wind, and they make it to Sinitus, but they're pushed down then from Sinitus down below the Isle of Crete, okay? And so they come into Fair Havens, and so now we have in Fair Havens the debate on what they're going to do. Paul says, look, I perceive that there's disaster waiting for us if we start out from here. But the owner of the boat says, no, 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 we can't, we can't winter here. This is, this is not a port that we can winter in. We got to get over to, to the Phoenix area. We got to get over to that, that western edge of Crete and we got to port, we got to get into a harbor there. So they take off to go there. And while they take off to go there, they're hit by the Euclidus, okay, which we saw as well. Um, um, what I, yeah, Euclidean, um, which is as well, then we refer to today as a, um, the Medic clone, um, like a, the, what'd I say? 
Medicaine, Medicaine, Medicaine. I'm putting cyclone in it, Medicaine. Yeah, Medicaine. Thank you. And so it's a hurricane that's in the Mediterranean, okay? And so they're hit by this huge storm, okay? They're thrown off course. They don't have that very far to go when they were there at Crete, but they're thrown totally off course. They make it up into the Aegean Sea, which is the Ionian Sea as well. And, but the storm just drives them back. They come into the place where the two seas meet, okay? And so there they strike um, the, the reef, okay? And they're stuck. The winds are pro- pushing up against them. They're breaking the ship. They, they all get out. God sends a message to, to Paul that, is, that they're all going to be saved. They're all going to be spared. They do. They, they wind up landing on the Isle of Malta, okay? But in an area they didn't recognize, okay? And so they get to the, the island of Malta. And again, the, the picture we looked at of what one of those storms looks like there in the Isle of Malta. It's a miracle that they all, all every single one of those on the boat, um, survived. That as well, they didn't get thrashed up against the rocks and get killed and stuff like that. All made it to shore, including the prisoners. Okay, and so while they were there, then Paul gets bit by the the, the serpent, the poisonous snake. Okay, and he survives. Everybody thinks he's a god now, instead of one who's a murderer and deserves to die. Now they think he's a god, and so he gets this opportunity to share the gospel. Now we move forward, because now we're going to move on to today, the last part of the passage. Okay, and so Paul's now he's going to travel from Malta to Rome. It's three months later, okay? So three months later, so they've been on the island for three months. The, the, in last week, I talked about the philanthropy of the, the natives, okay? The barbarians is what they're referred to, the islanders, okay? And so for three months, they're living at the hospitality of these people. Isn't this kind of neat? Okay? So just think about what would you feel like if you had 270-something sailors and soldiers dumped on us in prisoners in prisoners thank you john that's exactly right and some of them are yeah we have prisoners we don't even know what some of these prisoners are like some of them potentially could be violent prisoners okay they're clearly important prisoners if they're being transferred all the way to rome okay but yeah exactly right someone else is going to say something no so anyways so yeah what an amazing thing okay and so they take care of them but now they're going to start on their journey so they get on a ship that's been at port in Malta. It's an Alexandrian ship, okay? And Alexandria is down here in northern Egypt, okay? And so somewhere along the line, they had started their journey, and they got to Malta, and they got to Malta either before or after the storm. My little drawings, I have them getting there before the storm, okay? And so however you want to play that out, I, I get that it could have been after the fact, okay? But they get there, they get there okay. And they get to the port that they're supposed to get to, up near the Valletta area, Okay? They're not crashed on the, on the things. And so, um, so now all of a sudden, all these people who are on this one boat get on this boat. It's just an amazing thing to me. I just think of the logistics of this thing. Okay? And so they get on the boat, and, and now they're going to head to Italy. Okay? So they start off. Uh, oh, I forgot the, the figureheads. We're told this is important details. Again, details are, are there for a reason, right? I mean, Luke leaves certain details out, and he puts other details in. Why does he do it? God wants us to know it. So the figurehead of this boat is an Alexandrian ship, okay? So from Egypt, but it is Roman by nature, okay? And it's got Castor and Pollux on it, okay? Castor and Pollux were the twins. We know them as Gemini in the horoscopes, okay? All right? And so, um, but they were the patron gods, if you would, the Ro- patron Roman gods of traveling mercies. So remember when we talked about Romanism, that how uh, the Roman church has... Um, they've, they have um, amalgamated the, the myths, the, the Greek gods, Roman gods, and brought them into the church. And so 
who's the patron saint, if you would, of traveling mercies? St. Christopher. See, you get that, okay? Oh, yeah. And so that's not true. We know that's not biblical, okay? But that comes from the, the Roman mythology, okay? And so, so these guys are superstitious. Do you get it? That's why they have them on, on, the, on the bow, okay? These aren't believers. These are individuals. So Paul is having more opportunities to do what? Share the gospel, okay? Again, the challenge to me is, do I see everything that God places, that God places me, do I see it as an opportunity to share the gospel, okay? And so we're told, he's not amongst a bunch of believers at this moment. He's putting, put on another pagan boat, okay, with more pagan people to what? Give the gospel to, okay? So the route they take, well, first, they real quickly, they go up to Syracuse. They spend three days there, okay? Because, again, they're waiting for winds to travel, okay? And from Syracuse, they get up to Regium, okay? In Regium, they go to uh, Puteoli. Puteoli, they stay there for seven days. And they're going to transition now from the sea to the land, and they're going to travel by land at Puteoli, okay? And so Puteoli, now they get to Appia Forum. So the Appia Forum is along the Appian Way, okay? So there's a, the idea that they're, they're going by road. And then they go to what's called Three Taverns, um, which in the New King James, it says Three Inns, which... I almost put three ends up there. I did actually first, and I twisted. But the, the Greek word is tavern. <laughs> it's where we get our word tavern from. And I went, oh, look at that. Why am I going to put ends there? I mean, why wouldn't I just call it a tavern? That's where we get our word tavern from. So they went to the three taverns, okay? And so it was a, a place where the, the people would just stop and stay, okay? And so they did. And what's kind of fun for me in this, that we'll come back to, um, is, again, how Paul is treated, okay? And so he's staying in places. He's not, he's a prisoner, where would you expect a prisoner to stay? Well, in prison, but if I haven't got a prison there, where is he going to stay? Yeah, tied up out back. They're going to they're sleep under a tree. They're prisoners. They're, we're not going to worry about getting them a hotel room. You get it? I mean, it's just it's how it's going to play out. I mean, you're not even a soldier. You're not even, the, you're not even the, the oarsman on the boat. You're a prisoner. And so, But they're taking care of them. And then from three taverns, they make it to Rome. Okay? So, but in this whole thing, again, coming back, is the blessing. Paul realizes, as they're traveling, that he is meeting believers. Now, think about that. Who did God use to really begin to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles? Paul. And now he's making it to Rome. One of the distant lands for them. I understand Tarshish is a little bit further, but one of the distant lands. And when he gets to the shore, what's he finding? Believers. Believers. People who have been told by people who have been told. By people who have been told. I don't know. But if I'm Paul, a little part of me is going to wonder what? Are they really told by somebody who's told by somebody who's told by somebody who's told by me? Wouldn't that kind of be cool? You were talking, John, this morning about how connections are made years ago. Don't you wonder when you get to heaven, are you going to find people that you had the opportunity to witness to in the past, but you never knew what came from it? We knock on doors every Wednesday. We don't see people come as a result of that. I think you're probably the first. Maybe the second. But it doesn't matter. Because it's not about our kingdom. 
It's about what? God's kingdom. That's exactly right. And God may send us out to till up the soil, pick up a rock, move a rock so that the seed, the next person who goes to get their seed to, could just go in there. It may be to plant a seed. It may be to water a seed. It may be to, to fertilize a seed. It may be that, that somebody's actually a believer. Anyways, when you get to the other side, you find out how God has used you. There are times sometimes in this world that God allows you to have just a little glimpse of that. And it's encouraging. It's exciting. I think this is what's happening with Paul. God's giving Paul just a little bit of a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. I love when we knock on doors and I meet brothers and sisters I've never met before. That I get to meet my kin. Your kin. Because my spiritual kin is closer than my blood kin. I'm going to spend all of eternity with my spiritual kin. God's adopted them just like he adopted me. And we're joint heirs of Christ together. And what a joy it is when I get to meet with them and I get to fellowship with them. It doesn't matter where they go to church. When I ask them, if you die today, where are you going to go? And they tell me, I'm going to go to heaven. And I say, well, okay, pretend I'm God for a moment and I'm standing at my throne. And you're standing before me and I ask you, why shall I you here? And you give me, what's your answer? I love it when they say I shouldn't be there. There's nothing I've done to deserve to be there. It's only because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Man, at that point, I'm, I'm embracing. We're hugging. We're just like, this is, this is cool stuff, you know? Because I didn't know you before, but now I know you. We may never meet on this side of the earth again, but we're going to be in heaven, sitting around the throne, singing that new song, giving glory to God together. How cool is that? But Paul has a little bit of a blessing, a little bit of a foretaste of what that's going to look like. And he gets to this foreign land where he's going as a prisoner. And God's letting him know, I think, it's all worthwhile, Paul. It was all worthwhile. The gospel's being spread. People are believing it all over the world. Even to the, go back to Acts 1.8, even to the what? Ends of the earth. Isn't that kind of cool? Now, I don't understand there's only one end of the earth. This is the, only the west side, and we're not saying that this, the earth is flat and this is the end of the earth, right? But that was a joke, y'all. Okay, and so we don't know what went on to the east side toward India and that kind of stuff. We're not told that. But we are told about this to this end, okay? And so he moves on. The next thing we're told then is that when he gets to Rome, he lets the Jews know that he's there. And so he calls for them to be able to come. So stop for a moment. Why does Paul call for the Jews? There's a couple, couple things you can answer me with on this one. Well, he calls for the Jews because they are hit. They're, his, they're God's people, okay? So to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile, okay? But let me, let, me, let me highlight my question a little bit different. Why did he call for the Jews? Say again? Well, for the Jews. So why did Paul call for the Jews? Because they were God's people, so they would know. Let me change, let me highlight it a little bit. Why did he call? For the Jews. Say it again. He was a prisoner. He can't leave. He can't go out and witness to everybody else. So he's asking them to come. So he can do what? Share the gospel. So, are you stuck at home for whatever reason? You're not limited. 
especially in this day and age, with mail service, with email service, and everything else, do you just say, well, I can't do anything? Paul could have said that. He's in what? He's in jail, prison. No, we know he's going to be in a house arrest. We'll talk about that in a moment, okay? But the fact is, he's limited. He could just say, well, I guess I can't do anything. Hey, anybody bring checkers with you? You know, we play a lot of games, man. Luke! Luke! We haven't played backgammon in years. <laughs> I mean, the last game we had just got swept off the boat. Anyways, so he could have just, it's retirement years. God's decided this retirement years. He didn't do it. He did whatever he could to continue to propagate the gospel. So he asked the Jews to come to him, right? And his first statement to them is to let them know why he was there. Because they have no clue who he is. They have no idea why he's there. They have not heard. The words not been given to them. I kind of wonder, that we're not told this, but again, I wonder about a lot of things, right? I wonder if word was sent and it never <laughs> That's exactly right, Joseph. That's exactly right. Whether it was that boat or a previous boat, and the word never made it. Think about it. Think about how many things were on Paul's boat. The boat Paul was on and didn't make it. It was all what? Jettison. The only thing that made it was the people. If you had mail those days, I mean, complain about the U.S. mail service, right? It was over the boat. It's in the Mediterranean someplace, you know? It just wasn't going to happen. So anyways, so... God worked it out in his sovereignty that they had no preconceived notion regarding Paul when he calls for them. Do you understand? They're going to hear this stuff fresh. Now, they've heard about the sect. They've heard about what's going on. It's not in the dark. But they haven't heard about the accusations against Paul. So Paul's going to be able to give it to them fresh. And he says to them, he says, look, the only reason I'm here and I'm making, I've made my appeal to to Caesar, is because I was unjustly accused by our people. I have nothing against Israel. I have nothing against our people. However, knowing the law as it is, I'm a Roman. I appeal to Caesar because I didn't want to be um, taken in un unrighteously, unjustly. Okay. Secondly then, and more importantly, he gets into his appeal for Christ. In giving in to his appeal for Christ, he wants them to know that this is about the kingdom of God. Okay, and so um, his exposition, it's concerning the hope of Israel. Um, and it's important, again, you want to begin when you're witnessing to people to begin where they are at. Does it make sense? Who is he talking to? He's talking to Jews. So where is he going to start? He's going to talk, start talking with Israel. He's going to start talking about Jewish stuff. And this is all about the hope of Israel. Now, he may not start talking to um, a, a, a Gentile in this way, okay, but for the Jews, they need to understand that this is something that God has declared in his word over hundreds of years, thousands of years. God has proclaimed that he was going to do this. And so, but that the hope of Israel is intricately tied into the hope of Messiah and the hope of the resurrection. Okay? That just as Daniel declared um, at the end of his writings that the day was going to come when there was going to be the resurrection of the, the righteous, right? And then also to, to those who were the, the wicked, and they were going to be um, resurrected when they resurrected. You know, the, the, some are to bliss, but some are to what? To contention, to condemnation, okay? And so there is the, the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection that's, that's out there. And so when we say hope, if you were in Sunday school, you get this. Why do we know 
believe know that God created heavens and the earth. Well, it's based on faith. After you, by faith you believe, you begin to see everything and make it totally makes sense. But until you accept it by faith, it's hard to believe. By, by logic, you're really not going to just be a believer. Okay? There's a p- certain part where the crisis of faith and you have to believe. You have to make the decision to, to believe in something that isn't necessarily there. Again, the greatest illustration for me isn't a biblical illustration, but it's a great illustration. And that's Indiana Jones standing on t- at, the, at, the, at the edge of the, the chasm um, when he's got to get to the other side, and he's got the book, right? Assume for a moment it's the Bible. It's not in the movie, but just take it as the Bible. He reads the Bible. He reads the book. The book tells him he has to do what? He's got to take this leap of faith. And he's looking at this chasm saying, what? I'm a dead man. I can't do this. This is stupid. There's, I mean, anybody who does this is going to die, but he reads the book again. And the book says, no, you got to do it. This is how it plays out. So somewhere along the line, Indiana Jones, in the movie, had to take a step of faith. That's exactly right. And when he takes that step and he hits, I haven't seen necessarily the whole movie, but I've seen that, that segment of it numerous times. You know? And then he takes that and he just jolts. You know, And I, little things, little things, acting things sometimes are just so fun for me. That little bit of jolt thing is, is, is a cool moment. Because what does that mean? He was surprised. He was a little bit surprised by the fact that there was something there. Do you get it? And then he kind of stops and sweats pouring off of him, right? And he takes the next step. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, now I can walk, you know? And when he gets to the other side, we're going to, Lord willing, the next two weeks we're going to talk about sanctification, three, three phases of sanctification. And then beginning after family camp in September, we're going to be studying the book of James. So we'll get, when we get to James 2, we'll get to this concept again. Faith without works is dead, right? And so he gets to the other side, because that's his work, right? So faith can work, but he gets to the other side, and what does he do? Does anybody remember what he does? That's exactly, he takes the rocks and the stones, the dirt, and he throws it across it, and by faith now, he can literally see, do you get it? His faith became sight. On that side, he couldn't see it, but on this side, all of a sudden, he knows. That's salvation, y'all. You've got to take a step where it just seems not right. Like it just it makes no sense. But when you get to the other side of that, 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 that decision, guess what happens? You see it. It's all there. It's like, how did I, why didn't I see it before? This was so dumb. I mean, it was there all the time. Why didn't I see it? Because that's where God wants it. He's presenting this hope of the resurrection, this hope of Christ. It's been in the Old Covenant writings for millennia. The Trinity, we've talked about this over years. The Trinity is in the Old Covenant. I believe in the deity of Christ, not because of the New Testament, but because of the Old Testament. The book of Isaiah, the book of Zechariah is so complete with it, replete with it. He's Yahweh. If he's not Yahweh, if if it wasn't Yahweh who came in the flesh and died for me, then I'm not a believer anymore. Yahweh declared he's going to do it. And he did it. He said he's going to come in their midst, into the midst of the the Israel, the hope of Israel, as Messiah is going to come. And Messiah is going to pay the penalty of their sins, and he's going to be what? He's going to be resurrected. As David wrote in the Psalms, you will not leave my body. 
the decay. It was all there. And so he tells them, look, this is all about the hope of Israel. And so he begins then talking about the kingdom of God, specifically about Christ, and he begins to do it from the law and the prophets. In past messages, we've talked about some of those places. But this is exactly, again, what Jesus did. Remember on the road to Emmaus, while he's talking to the, to the, to the disciples on the way there, and, and, and he opened up their eyes to everything that God has declared. So I just challenge you sometimes to, if you don't read the entirety of God's word, shame on you, A, if you're a believer, okay? B, do it, okay? And as you do it, take notes. It's really okay. You can take notes for yourself. You don't have to give them to others, but just take notes and take note of what God is declaring throughout his word prophetically about what he's planning to do. I mean, all the way from the point where Genesis chapter 3 is part of the curse, right? That the, the, the seed of the woman is going to strike the, the, the head of the seed of, of Satan, of, of, the, of the serpent. And you could just continue on. All these things that God has revealed prophetically. And now I believe, I believe, 100% believe this, I believe what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's profitable for you for me to leave. Because if I go, I will send the Holy Comforter to you. And when the Holy Comforter comes, he will lead you into all truth. Do you believe it or not? Do you believe that God can and will lead you in all truth? Look, I mean, shared my testimony, right? About praying and said, God, you will instruct me and teach me the way I should go. You will guide me with your eye. And I need help with this IT, this issue right now. And God put the person's name right in my head. And the, the, the problem was solved. I can tell you numerous times I've done that. And I told it to the kids Wednesday night when we were doing kids club. I just, I can't tell you how many times. But it's, and I'm not puffing myself up. I don't mean it that way. But by God's grace, he's allowed me to believe whether they get the faith, whatever. I don't know how you want to play that out, okay? But I believe God means what he says, and he says what he means. And if Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will lead me into all truth, he means it. I'm not going to allegorize it. I'm not going to figurativize it. I believe it's true. And so from the law and the prophets, from the law and the prophets, you can prove that Jesus is God and that he was Messiah and that he was going to come. Zechariah says, they will look upon me whom, Yahweh speaking, they will look upon me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only begotten son. I mean, there's just so many things in God's word that he's put it out there for us to know. We just don't know because we don't study it. We don't study it because... I'm glad you said that, John. Thank you. Yeah! It's truth because we don't want to know. We want something else more. We're lazy. We want something else more. We live in a day of amusement. Amuse means not think. Two Greek words. Not think. And we love our not thinkments. Straight up. There, there are times when I say, yeah, just go throw, put a movie on because at this moment I just want to veg. Because at this moment what I'm saying is I don't want to think, right? I just want to... That's why it's important I want to have Christian movies being put on so when I'm in my veg moment, I'm not having the world training me. Because you are being equipped and trained at all times. 
Okay, have a good resource of Christian videos that you can that you can watch. Okay, so in those moments, we're in our culture. I get it. In those moments when you want to be amused, you want to be entertained. Okay, be sure that it's stuff that's. Anyways, I'm off cycle. So, from the law and the prophets, he proclaimed Christ from the law and the prophets. Be able to do it. Take the time. Be committed to spending time in God's Word. Look, an hour a day in God's Word is not going to be detrimental to you. I promise you. Okay? It's going to be good for you. From morning to evening. <laughs> now, some of you whine. I mean, I'm joking. Okay? But if, I, if I'm more than 45 minutes. Okay? He preached from morning to evening, y'all. <laughs> Praise God! <laughs> Just... Yeah, that, that was another place. But yeah, exactly. Utica, yeah, Utica. And so from morning to evening, okay? So he, he, he proclaimed the word, okay? I mean, he had, he had so much, he could keep on going. Could you keep on going? I love when I'm meeting with someone who loves talking about the word. I can talk all day. I can listen all day. I mean, I could have that dialogue all day day. And so Paul is excited. He's got an audience, and he's proclaiming Jesus to them. Make sense? Until they're done done listening, and they're going to get done listening. We're going to talk about that in a moment, right? He goes from the Jews to the Gentiles. What happened in Jerusalem when he got to the Gentiles? A riot began. (laughs) They want to rip them apart. They don't want to hear it. What happens in Rome? They're done. They're done. I wonder sometimes whether Paul was really getting tired of this moment, and he thought, well, this is a sure way to get rid of the crowd. <laughs> and now God's opening it. You know, he's, you know, Isaiah is well said about you guys, that hearing you, will not, uh, hearing you will not hear, seeing you will not see, and now I'm going to give it over to the gen- Gentiles. Boom, they're gone. You know, okay, I got the, I got the house to myself again. Yeah. Isn't it sad? It does prove the point. And so he goes from the Jews, though, to the Gentiles, and he shows the greatness of God's love, the greatness of God's faithfulness, that the gospel is first to the Jews, but then also to the, to the Gentiles. And that as he declared to the Corinthians, that he became all things to all men. To the Jews, he became as a Jew. To the Gentiles, he became as a Gentile. For those who are self-righteous, that's always a hard situation. Think about Jesus when Jesus was on the earth. When he went to the house of Matthew, or Levi, the tax collector, who was holding a party, a gathering, in his honor. Do you remember who Matthew or Levi was inviting to the gathering? His friends. His friends. So, who he hung out with? Other publicans, tax collectors. Potentially, there were the unsavory, prostitutish kind of people there, too. The people that the, the Pharisees, not, yeah, they didn't want to hang out with them. Yeah, they looked down on them. They judged them. And so they said to the disciples, why does your master hang out with these kind of people? Who answered them? Jesus did. <laughs> I think you love that all the time. You know, people try to kind of, and Jesus like turns around and says, I heard you. You may have said it in your brain, but I heard you. (laughs) And so let me answer you. I didn't come 
to heal those who thought they were well. I came to heal those who know that they are what? Sick. So he goes from the Jews to the Gentiles. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is there for us. There's a great debate over the kingdom of God, and I don't want to get into the sides. That's a whole other area of talking about the kingdom of God and theologies that are there. Okay? But the reality is that even as a Gentile, the kingdom of God exists in my life. He reigns in my, in my life. But that does not get rid of the millennial reign of Christ in the book of Revelation. Christ is reigning right now. But it's not because, I want, I want you to hear this, because this is going to sound really weird at one point, but I want you to think this through. And it's not because he died, was buried, and was resurrected. Do you realize that Christ has been reigning all the way from creation? I mean, I don't know why we have such a, a battle over trying to figure out when the, when the reign of Christ began. It began in Genesis 1-1, and actually before. He's been sovereign forever. He's God. He's Yahweh. And we want to debate Israel and the church, and we want to debate uh, covenant theology and dispensationalism and all these other kind of things I can throw out there, okay? But in the end, and I have my views on some of those things, but in the end, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Christ what? Say again? He's, but he reigns. That he is in charge. That he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And I have to ask myself, is he that for me? Do I live like he really is having his kingdom and that I'm a part of his kingdom? Sometimes I think we live like, no, I'm not a part of his kingdom. I'm looking forward to his kingdom. And so therefore, I'm in the kingdom of the world and I can live however I want to live while I'm in the kingdom of the world. But if you're his child, you're not. You're his child, which means you're part of a different kingdom. Okay? So, their reaction. Some were what? Persuaded. Some disbelieved. We're told that they disputed among themselves. They argued among themselves. Verse 29, a little side note. Um, it's in the New King James, but it's not in the New American Standard and ESV. Or if you have it, it's in a parenthesis or it's down in a, a subnote. Okay? Again, textual criticism battle of um, whether that is there or not. It doesn't matter. Nothing hinges on it because the, the fact that they were debating, the fact that they struggled with his statement is there in verse 24 as well. I think it's verse 24 as well. And so they disputed among themselves. They argued among themselves. Some believed. Isn't that kind of cool? Think about that. There's these Jews who were in Rome who might have heard wind of some of the things of this sect, the way, but now they get to hear someone and show all the way from the Law and the Prophets how Messiah was supposed to come. Remember, the New Testament's not written yet. He's, Luke's writing it right now. <laughs> They're living it out. Okay? And so Paul's witnessing from the Old Covenant, okay, from the Old Testament. And they see it. And they go, wow, this is amazing. Why haven't we seen this before? And by faith, they do what? They believe. They're persuaded. But others look at it and they say what? I'm not willing to go against my traditions. I'm not willing to go against what I've lived. And so they don't, by faith, believe. And so now you have a battle. What do you expect to happen? Some saying it's black, some saying it's what? White. Red, green, 
blue, orange, whatever colors you want to pick there, I don't really care. They're opposites. I have a book that I like to use in marital counseling. One side's one color, one side's another color, and it makes it even better. The binding is a third color. And I put it down in between people and say, what color is this book? And one says black, one says white. And I said, you're both wrong, it's red. Because <laughs> I'm looking at the binding. But that's how it plays out with God sometimes, right? We think this, we think that, but God says, no, no, you're both wrong. This, this is how it is. But the minute you have a different opinion about Christ than somebody else, does it surprise you that there's going to be arguments? That's how it plays out. So they disputed among themselves. So they leave, um, and they move on, and then we're told in the very end here, Paul's pattern the rest of the time that he's there. This is exciting for me. This is how it ends. This is how the, 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 the whole book of Acts ends. Letting us know. This almost seems antith- you know, like, like, like at the end. It's like, really? But I think it's exciting because it's letting me know, look, life continued on. Luke's going to end it. Life's continuing on. And this is how Paul continued to live. This is the pattern of which he lived. What did he do? He was under house arrest for two years in a rented house. So why are we told that detail? Where is he not? He's not in jail. He's not in prison. They trust him. Do you get it? Are you trustworthy enough to be under house arrest and not to flee, even when you know it's Nero who's waiting for you? I mean, think about that. I mean, we're not talking about it's a favorable ruler who's going to hear your case. We're talking about it's someone who likes to make Christians into light posts. But he's waiting for his opportunity to do what? What does he believe by faith? Because God told him so. He's witnessed the kings. I think he was, that he's going to witness the Caesar. He's going to be able to appear before Caesar. What do you think Paul tells Caesar? We're not told that in the word. What do you think he told Caesar? The gospel is exactly right. I mean, can you imagine Paul not telling him the, the, the gospel? No, he's ready to die. He's already said that I'm ready to die with Christ. I mean, listen, this isn't about him trying to, to save his hide for the next 20 years. He gets the opportunity to witness to the most powerful man in the world, like Daniel, like Joseph, to take a stand for the creator of the heavens and the earth, to speak truth. And so that's his pattern. So he's, he's in this, this um, rented house, and he received all those entering in him. The word received is the word apodekomai, okay, and apodekomai. Um, so dekomai just means to, to take or receive, more on the receive end of it. So you have, there's a couple of other words, lambano, which is to take or receive. And so if I went like this to Brian, what, did he just take it, or did he receive it? Yeah. That's Lombano. Decomine means more of the receiving end of it. Do you understand that? He's just he's more on, on that end. It's more of a passive kind of concept. Apodecomai, then, is an intensive side of that. He's receiving them. He's like hospitality, almost like a concept. Like, it, it just, it's like he wants this. And it's not just doing that as a whole, but he's doing it for everyone. He's receiving everyone. Not just the ones that he likes. 
He's even receiving the ones he doesn't necessarily like. Anybody who wants to come and hear about Jesus is what? Is welcome. Isn't that kind of cool? And so we pray before we go knocking on doors on Wednesday nights that the Holy Spirit open up the doors of the people that he wants to meet, that they'll be home, that they'll be receptive. If they're not receptive, then it's between them and the Holy Spirit at that moment, right? But that the Holy Spirit will open up. This past Wednesday, we had, at least Jose and I had a couple of really good conversations, okay? And I think you guys did as well, yeah. And so, so we praise the Lord for that, okay? What happens with them? I don't know. Again, it's not my, my part. Some water, some so, but God gives the increase, okay? It's not, it's not for me, okay? And so he's receiving all those entering to him, okay? What's his merit message? Well, first of all, he's heralding the kingdom of God. That goes, the, the terms there, okay, are exactly the same as what's happening in Matthew 3 and Matthew 4 with John um, the baptizer, John the immerser, and Jesus, okay, when they both have the same message, repent, metanoia, change the way you think, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, has come near. Literally, it's in the, in the perfect sense, okay? And so it says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. So it's here. So they're preaching the kingdom, okay? And, and, they're, and they're preaching repentance. And so he's doing the exact same thing. He's following in the footsteps of Jesus. He's preaching the kingdom, okay? He's heralding the kingdom to them. In teaching them then the things of Christ, because that's exactly what Jesus gave us the commission to do, to go to make disciples, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and doing what? What was the third part of it? Teaching them. Good. Teaching them to obey all things which I have taught you. Okay? And so that's exactly what Paul is doing. Paul was heralding the kingdom and telling them the things that Jesus taught. Isn't that kind of cool? Do you wonder what you're supposed to do? It's right there. It's pretty simple. You tell them about the kingdom of God, and then you disciple them. How do you disciple them? You point them to the teachings of Jesus. It's pretty simple. It's really not a, it's kind of, it's not hard. I, I try to get people to read the book of Proverbs, because that's wisdom. But the reality is, you're just pointing them to Jesus. And then again, that promise then, right? And the Holy Spirit will do what? Lead him into all truth. Get it? The Holy Spirit's the, the, the parakaleo. He's the paraclete, right? He's the one who's encouraging, exhorting. He's the one who's teaching and training. I'm just a vessel. That's it. I'm nobody. Just one that God wants to use. And when you get it, it's a lot of fun just being used by God and watching God do things that only God can do. Because in your own strength, you can't do it. But that's what Paul did. He heralded the kingdom of God. He taught the things of Christ. And then finally we're told that he did it with all openness and without any hindrance. He had tremendous liberty. Again, they trusted him. And God worked a mighty way for this prisoner. <laughs> for this prisoner. Remember, he's a, he's a political prisoner to be able to witness. Now, stop for a moment. I told you how much I really want to know about Julius. The, the, the centurion who rode with him on the boat. I mean, it just, that'd be so exciting. But do you ever think about the Roman guard who lived with Paul? I think there was probably a whole group of them that came through. He was under house arrest. So he had a guard, a Roman guard, sitting with him all day. If you had that Roman guard in the, uh, in the sauna with you, Steve, what would have happened? 
you would have got really hot. Why? You've been in there a long time, talking to him as long as he wanted to be there by Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? He had a captive audience, literally. Yeah, Paul was the captive, but the guard was the captive. That's what I'm saying. And they potentially rotated, so he had a continually, he had a new one all the time. Did he sing those song, same songs that he sang when he was with Silas in the in the in the jail of Philippi? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he knew he had an opportunity. I'd love to know. One of the things I want to know on the other side, and it really won't matter when I get to the other side because I'll be sober with God, right? But one of the things on this side to think about, how many of those guards, how many of those centurions, how many of those soldiers, how many of those sailors know Jesus Christ as their Savior who are in heaven right now because Paul took the opportunity in the midst of his afflictions to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he loved to tell the story. We're going to sing that in just a few moments. I love to tell the story. Do you love to tell the story? Because some have never heard? Do you love to tell the story because those who have heard love to hear it again? Or what is it that we love to talk about? So in the end, are you willing to talk to anyone who will listen about the kingdom of God? What is the heart of your message? NFL's ramping up. College football's ramping up. What's going to be the, the, the focal point of your, of, your, of your conversations, guys? Now, ladies, I don't, I mean, I, you know, clearly I'm not a lady, so I don't know what, how that plays out, you know, new recipe or whatever. But what's the heart of your message? What do you want people to know about you? And what do you want to share? Is it the kingdom of God? Have you accepted God's gift of salvation? Do you trust Yahweh to guide you and protect you in your life and in your ministry? And is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, for your faithfulness, your faithfulness of giving us your word, your gospel. Lord, I know that it is your desire for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that that is why you have allowed us the privilege of being your representatives. Lord, help us to be faithful, to be faithful in going forth with your message and sharing it with others. Lord, I, I, I don't know who will believe and who won't believe, but you do. And you know the purpose that you are sending the message forth at that moment. So I pray that you would be exalted. Be exalted through this assembly, Lord. Help us to be bold, to proclaim your truth to those you place around us that you would be glorified in Christ's name. Amen.